Hello everyone. As many of us are currently confined at home in many places of the world, and while we keep in our minds and in our hearts those who have no choice but to be at risk from the ongoing worldwide pandemic because they're doctors, nurses, workers, homeless, incarcerated, or in any other precarious situation, we wanted to provide you with a daily podcast to use this time to reflect and organize. The concept is very simple. Every day, we ask one person the same question. What is for you a moment of true decolonization? The answer can be a historical moment or something they witnessed, something heroic and grandiose or rather discreet and mundane, a durable blow to the structures of colonialism or a short instant of liberation. We thank you very much for listening and wish you and your loved ones the very best wherever you are. Hello everyone. Today the third guest of the Phenomenalist Daily series uh, is Kite, who's an Oglala Lakota performance artist, visual artist and composer, who's also currently uh, uh, a PhD candidate at Concordia University in Montreal. And her research is concerned with contemporary Lakota philosophies through research creation, computational media and performance practice. And she was the author of a text uh, called Dreaming of a Sovereign Indigenous Future in the Phenomenalist uh, 24, Futurism, just like uh, Sophia Azeb uh, from, uh, from uh, yesterday's episode, which is a, a really great uh, follow-up. Uh, hello, Kite. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks, uh, thanks for your time. Perhaps let's let's get to it as as early as now. Uh, what what is the moment of true decolonization that you wanted to tell us about? I guess the the moment um, is to me more of a process, a uh, kind of a shared responsibility that I've seen um, not have not seen uh, as a response to possible global economic collapse the it's interesting right before this happened i was at a arts economies uh brainstorming meeting where we were proposing alternative economic models to help artists um be supported uh, in general and through like our normal set of crises uh and now that we have a, an abnormal crisis um those alternative economic models seem more important but it's it was interesting because I couldn't convince anybody that money was not necessary, and and I know in though in our society now and in the West it's uh, to propose a non-monetary system is insane and goofy and maybe a neo hippie sort of way. But the thing is that the Lakota people, a lot of indigenous people, still now uh, function not maybe in the most health, most helpful sense now, but did function uh, without um, monetary economies. Uh, and, you know, what I've seen now um, is the kind of refusal to uh, think outside that model. Um, I've been listening a lot to pundits on the radio because there's not a lot left to do here. And uh, it seems to be, it's, it's like they can't wrap their heads around seven, like paying out $17 trillion to the American economy. Um, but they, they, but it's got a, it, it, they, they can't think outside that idea of debt. Um, and so 
when I've been seeing responses, it's it's interesting because now that I'm seeing responses on in social media, people trying to reach out and help each other and give things for free. And um, that's a model or gifting, gifting as a model, which is so much closer uh, and so much more sustainable uh, as is done in the Lakota in the Lakota world where where gifting is kind of the root of all social interaction. Uh, and, and I'm not an expert in Lakota economics or Lakota historical economics, but I do understand um, that our basic ethics protocols and values are, are based in um, providing for one another and providing for our Tiosh Payes, our family groups. And, um, and I see that happen you know, in on the reservation and in our communities, uh, there is already a lack of money and already an absence of uh, mon- the monetary dollar. Uh, but we still live and work and um, do our ceremonies and do our uh, gifting, um, you know, regardless. One of the ways I've seen um, uh a very clear gifting moment is uh, some of our elders have reached out and have been using social media to uh, share uh, pejuta, which is uh, medicine in Lakota. And so we've been sharing medicine, uh, and I think we, since we have a little time, I might read uh, a message from uh, Mary Blackbird, um, who is an auntie of mine. Uh, she writes, uh, people are repairing, preparing physically for the sickness, as you should, but there is a preparation on a spiritual level as well. In October, we sat with our relatives uh, at ceremony at Lekshisunkanupa altar. Grandfathers came and told us a great threat was coming to all people, and they will tell us what it is at a later time. But to hold on to your chinupas tight, that's our, uh, our pipes, and keep prayer strong. In December, the same altar was told a sickness was coming from across the ocean. We believe everything has a spirit, and this sickness is no different. Do not feed the spirit of sickness with worry, anxiety, and stress. Instead, pray and take offerings to the Hochokam and follow the directions given. Create an energy through prayer, faith, and love for the Oyate, that's our people, so strong that the wind will take this and blow it to a place where it will not harm anyone. Take the medicines you harvest and pray to them. Ask them to become Pejuta, uh, to protect you and your family specifically during this time. And then very specifically, uh, boil one cup of water, four pinches of ground bear root medicine with sage, and drink that for preventative measures, as told through the Lekshishunkanupa altar. Next, you should hang wind chimes to ward off negative en- entities and pray to the knee the water as you drink it. If you stockpiled items, uh, items, smudge them down and pray to the ancestors and tell them why you have such an abundance and that you mean no harm. Uh, wake up in the morning and give thanks. Feed your ancestors by uh, leaving out food offerings. Be good to yourself and others by staying home if possible. This will be a time to share stories, be industrious, work through problems you may have, create memories with one another. This will pass, but it will also take time to start really thinking about how well we are prepared. Um, the ancestors are telling us to listen to Unchi Makra, that's the earth. The plant Oyate, the plant people, our four-legged relatives, the water relatives, and the winged relatives. Um, we have to be able to take care of ourselves, our family, and Oyate. Fish hunt, dry meat, harvest foods, plants, grow your own food, sustain your energy through wind, sun, and water, protect the land, water, and one another. Wachekia for all of creation, because I will keep in you all in my prayers too. 
and that's from Mary Blackbird. And so I think it, it sums up everything that is a response to it's not it does not even necessarily decolonization because it's not it's not colonized. Um, and the the strength of their of their prayers and um, even if uh, it's not understandable some of that protocol and some of those uh, some of what was said in that in that message it's it kind of sums up to me how people function and our and our philosophies function outside of not only economic models but outside of um, colonization it, itself. Uh, and even some things I, I know sometimes people who are unfamiliar with um, indigenous religions think that we're praying to water itself and kind of leave that as some sort of animate um, see it as, as if we're it, some sort of animism uh, but it's much more it's much deeper than that because if you respect um, a, a small amount of water even a small amount of water enough to uh, to pray to it and to want to bless it and to want good things for it so it can do good things for you. If you want to gift it with medicine, if you're offering it something, something more than you're taking from it, then you're already living that gifting model. So when, when we go out and we do anything in the world, if I'm going to pick some sage, if I'm going to take something from Unjimaka, if I'm going to take something from the land, I need to give more than I'm taking. I need to give... A, like I need to even give a piece of my hair and a piece of my body to say, uh, here is more, I'm gifting you more than I'm taking. Um, because otherwise, it's not a good relationship. It's not ethical. Um, and then if you take that concept of gifting more than you're receiving all across the board, it, it, it really, I can't even imagine, uh, I mean, I can't imagine um, an economic model on a vast scale that does that when we give more than we than we take so well I don't I mean I think that when I read that it was kind of the moment where I thought um ah yeah I mean uh, it's not that we don't have anything to worry about but we already have we were already doing things that were outside of uh this this situation um so and so and I hope that our our governments can uh, can grasp the concept of giving more that they're taking uh, in the coming months because it will be necessary to survive because that kind of thing is necessary to survive. And it, it may be worth it to for for people who might not uh, situate geographically the Lakota Nation is that you're you're in the very very center of Turtle Island so in the center of North America. So ev everything you're describing in terms of a, a, a radically uh, different economy is also at the very core of the, the perfect mix of capitalism and settler colonialism, right? So I, I, th I think that also makes a lot of sense in that case uh, with regards to decolonization, even though, you, as you say, like what you were describing had never been colonized to begin with. Yeah, but it had to be reclaimed. I mean, a lot of people kept their religion throughout the process of colonization, but a lot of people lost their religion. And I know our family was, is Christian, and you know, there's a lot of. Uh, that's not. To, I mean, I want to make sure I contextualize our community within. You know, it's in the center of of the middle of America. It's the very, very, very center, and um, and while, and we have to fight every day to keep 
control, um, um, to work towards sovereignty, to make sure that we have enough food to eat. Um, you know, the supply chain, when the supply, if supply chains get cut off, we'll, we'll be the first to get cut off, um, you know, uh, because that's the way it works in the U.S. <laughs> uh, and um, but there are a lot of really good efforts to create um, sustainable food economies uh, in our community. And and I think this is the, it's a similar situation for a, a, all these small pockets of communities, these hundreds of reservations and uh, villages uh, all across uh, Turtle Island, where we've got these colonial powers of Canada and the United States who have pushed us into this, uh, who's tried to strip us of our economic models. I mean, to the, the other, uh, the other gifting economy I'm really familiar with is potlatch on the, uh, on the West coast. And, you know, potlatch was banned, uh, because it felt the government thought that, the indigenous people were giving things away when they shouldn't be giving, just giving things away. But um, that's where our wealth comes from, from, from giving. And, and that basic discrepancy between value is, I mean, it's repeated all throughout um, the continent and probably throughout the world that if you don't want to give more, if you don't value giving more than you're receiving, then uh, I think it's, it spells, it spells out how things can collapse in times of great need. Um, yeah, so I I think that, that this pattern um, of historically entrapping people to try to force them out of their economic models, to try to force the Lakota people to to farm and to do the industrial... I mean, it's interesting in this message from, from Mary Blackbird, she tells us uh, to be industrious. And it's funny because... <laughs> Um, she, she just I don't think she means the same kind of industrious that uh, that the work from home order means because you know a lot of times uh, native people are glossed as being not hard workers as being lazy it's kind of a common common way to put down the other in the society is to say that they're lazy and uh, but we're not you know we're not lazy uh, you know th there's lots to do at home um, there's lots to do Great. Well, Kate, thank you so much. Uh, I think I think I'm, I might add uh, to this conversation the fact that each of your art piece could also be this moment of decolonization that we're we're talking about. So I really invite everyone to go see see them on your website or to read the text that you wrote for the Phenomenalist. We we just we just gave a two week free access to the entire archive. So now is the right moment for everyone to go to go read it. Once again, I thank you very much, and I join you in in wishing that we're able to give more than uh, than we take for this uh, very particular times of ours. Thank you. Thank you. That's all for today. Find us tomorrow again for a new episode as part of this daily podcast series. And if you're a subscriber to The Finalist, remember that you have access to every single article we published in the past in their online version on our website. Thank you very much and take care.